The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now we've got one for the ages today, an integrated green energy company focused on the industrial region to the south of Perth. Its name, Frontier Energy, ASX code FHE, or Foxtrot Hotel Echo to be sure. Trading at 24 cents for a market cap of 65 million on the ordinaries, or 71 million if you uh, take into account the performance shares. Now, previously known as Superior Lake Resources, uh, which had a focus on a zinc project in Canada, the company is now uh, renamed, obviously, recapitalized, re-energized and redirected with a plan to build an integrated green power company with its Bristol Springs Creek solar project, about 120 k's south of Perth, underpinning its vision in the green power space. So we've got Mike Young, the MD, with us today to give us a feel for how this uh, plan to become a substantial green energy company will unfold in coming years. Uh, G'day, Mike. Welcome to the podcast. G'day, Barry. It's great to talk to you again. Great. Uh, Mike, you're obviously well known uh, in the Australian resources sector, but it'd be great if you could give uh, those investors who haven't come across you before a bit of a a rundown on your professional background and towards the end of that just give us a feel for uh, what's exciting you about this uh, switch into uh, green energy for you um, which will become apparent given your past uh, involvement in the industry. Sure so the accent's Canadian I came to Australia in 1987 shortly after graduating Um, and then I, I migrated pretty quickly into what's called resource geology so it's the the area between the exploration geology and the mining. So um, I became um, a resource geologist. I was doing lots of 3D modeling, with some very high-end graphics, working on some really interesting deposits all through the 90s. Uh, I, I think I, I like to think I developed an inherent sense of what makes a project economical. Uh, and then in the 2000s, I went back into the corporate world. I, I joined BC Iron as their founding MD. Uh, and at BC Iron, we took uh, basically an unloved iron deposit um, during the during the iron boom, and we took that from our first drill hole to first iron ore on ship uh, in under four years. And the way we did that was by working with some really key stakeholders, particularly FMG, to get access to their infrastructure. So that built quite a large company by getting into production. Um, I then became chairman of Cassini, uh, and Cassini was a small explorer that picked up the Nebo Babel deposit from BHP for next to nothing. Uh, and then with Richard Bevan, the MD, we developed that uh, into a, a well, we, we redeveloped it into world-class deposit. And then that was recognized by Oz Minerals, who came along and took over Cassini to get their hands on 100% on that asset. And then finally, I was running Vimy Resources, which is a uranium developer, uh, again, taking an unloved asset in, um, in the Mulga Rock project. Um, adding significantly to the resources and running that through um, the feasibility studies. And, and that will become Western Australia's first uranium mine. So the theme in all of this is that I have experience with building projects and I love building projects and I've been very successful. 
So when I left Vimy, my intention was to uh, retire, uh, to be uh, chairman on a few boards, to really use my experience to help up and coming CEOs and companies. Uh, but Grant Davy, who's the chairman of Frontier and a well-known entrepreneur in Western Australia, mm-hmm. um, he, he he is someone who I've wanted to work with for a while, but many of the assets that he showed to me were overseas, and I am a, a Western Australian by choice and profession. Um, he showed me this project. And when we went down to site, you stand on the northwest corner of the Bristol Springs project, the, the first stage of our growth plan, the, the, the 114 meg solar farm. And you just stand there and you can see all the aspects of what's going to make it successful. Firstly, you've got this freehold farmland in front of you that, that you have ownership of. Um, it's completely cleared. So all of the hurdles that you have in a lot of mining projects just aren't there. Uh, freehold land, as I said, and then, you know, uh, three and a half kilometers away is where we're going to connect to the grid. Uh, 500 meters beyond that is a point in the gas pipeline that we could actually put hydrogen into the pipeline. And then not far beyond that to the east is the wager up aluminum refinery. And why that's important is because you've got significant uh, industrial, um, well, significant industries uh, along between Perth and the Southwest, mainly uh, petrochemical uh, mining and aluminum refinery who require deep, deep decarbonization, who really uh, are behind the eight ball a little bit. Um, and so they, for us, represent potential customers. So this project did everything that I like in a project. And, you know, he got me out of retirement. So that's no no mean feat. Now you mentioned there are 114 megawatts on a uh, direct current basis. So let's make it 100 megawatts, but that's um, uh, very advanced. It's not as if you've just taken up some leases to capture some sunlight there. Uh, Just how advanced is this uh, project? Yeah, no, so that's a really good point. So uh, it was originally a private company called Bristol Springs Solar. Uh, That's the company that we acquired along with with the land. Um, And these guys have been working on it since about 2018 off and on. They've done Mm -hmm. some studies on the project um, feed or front-end engineering and design has been done by a consulting group called EPC technology who who are ex Western power verve energy and, and synergy uh, gentlemen uh, very clever um, they've secured access to the grid and this is really important um, I like to equate it to iron ore so um, solar and iron ore have a lot of similarities in that there's a lot of iron ore in Western Australia, but if you don't have access to infrastructure, you, you just haven't got a deposit. And hmm. similarly with solar, there's a lot of land, not all of it's usable for solar because it has um, other uses and, and competing land interests. Um, but importantly, we have that access to the grid and that's called an ETAC, which is an electricity transmission access contract. And we're hmm. currently working through the process, the engineering process with Western power had a meeting with them yesterday. It's all going very well. Um, and that's really key. We couldn't list unless we had um, that confirmation from Western Power that we were able to get on the grid. Yeah, okay. Now, um, typically for you, uh, you've got there and you're already talking about expansion studies, uh, perhaps as much as 500 megawatts on a DC basis, uh, perhaps combining wind and um, all-important uh, battery uh, to give flexibility. Tell us about the expansion study and you might as well, go on there and talk about the green hydrogen uh, study as well at the same time. Sure. So I'll work backwards. Um, The Western Australian government has a very detailed uh, green hydrogen strategy, which they've documented quite, quite openly. They have a minister for hydrogen, Alana McTiernan, who I actually knew from the iron ore days. 
Um, and that, that has four prongs to it. Um, basically, what they want to see is they want to see hydrogen blended in with domestic gas. Um, so the pipeline infrastructure can carry up to 10% hydrogen as it currently stands with that modification. And your home appliances, believe it or not, are rated to 13% hydrogen because there is an expectation that hydrogen occurs in natural gas. So there's that. Uh, there's long distance haulage. So Western Australia, um, we all know the tyranny of distance in Australia and Western Australia, it's even worse. Uh, so they want to see electrification of um, long distance vehicles, cars, uh, and that would use hydrogen in fuel cells. Uh, and they also want to see it in remote applications, and that's code for mining operations. But significantly, what the Western Australian government is aiming for by 2030 is to be as big a part of the hydrogen export industry in the globe as they currently are in LNG. So that's a big, big um, uh, a goal. And um, to accomplish that goal within Western Australia, um, the government has... Uh, said that they will help as much as they can, and that includes financial help. In fact, it's it's outlined, it's quite overt in their um, policy that they recognise that there is currently a gap um, in the economics and that they're willing to help fill that gap. But as we saw the other day in the AFR, um, there is new technology coming out that really is significantly reducing the cost of producing hydrogen. So how do we get there? Well, our first stage is the, the Bristol Springs Solar Farm. Well advanced, as you said, 100 megawatts, of um, AC production, uh, and that is that is something that we uh, are currently working on. We're um, looking for strategic partners uh, to take the electricity, um, the clean energy from us. Uh, that would then underpin uh, debt. We really haven't decided how much debt and equity we would need for the project, um, but then we want to get uh, get that under construction. So my my ambition is to be at financial investment decision. In other words, pressing the button. Um, later this year. I'd love to be under construction in 22, um, but 23 is probably a conservative number. And then uh, providing we get the lead, long lead items ordered, uh, which are transformers and the solar panels, um, we'd expect to be uh, producing electricity in late 2023. So that's sort of our target at the moment. Um, as we outlined in the prospectus, uh, we also want to do wind and what we call BESS or battery energy storage systems. Um, uh, to augment that, uh, because basically you're collecting your energy in the middle of the day, but your peak demands late in the day. So you want to shift that collection to distribution through batteries and also wind, because in Western Australia, it's windier in the afternoon than the middle of the day. So there's a nice synergy there. So that's part of the study. Um, and then finally, to get to that, you know, integrated clean energy company, uh, we're doing a hydrogen study and that'll determine... Uh, the where, the how, the how much, um, and provide us with really the roadmap going forward um, for the company. Right, and you expect to complete those studies by uh, third quarter this year? Yeah, that's right. They're probably around six months. Um, you know, obviously they're staged. Um, there's, there's different work programs to it. So hopefully hopefully, what we can do is um, be announcing and bringing, bringing the investors along as we go, which, you know, you, normally do in any any sort of study. What are your thoughts on how green energy companies, uh, uh, how they're valued um, and what does the frontier Frontier's current market cap tell us? That's a really interesting question um, and it's one that uh, it's hard to do a peer analysis um, because mm. there just aren't a lot of publicly listed uh, companies in this space. Uh, and, you know, the, the disparity between um, ambition and reality, um, I think, 
is manifest with some of the big, big targets we're seeing. You know, people forget, one of the things that people forget is that when you make hydrogen, um, you need water and you need a lot of water. You need about nine kilograms to make a kilogram of hydrogen. And when you start looking at some of the bigger uh, ambitious targets that we're seeing in some of the driest parts of our country, um, mm. that's just something that just isn't being addressed. We, we on the other hand, are cognizant of that. Um, we, have, uh, we have really concentrated on those key issues about land, um, you know, export capability, water. Those are things that we did very early on in the piece. Um, and so what, what that does is that, that I like to say it makes our project doable. So we're starting with 100 meg, you know, not 10,000 meg. We're, we're mm-hmm. in an area where we don't have competing land interests. So a lot of the barriers just aren't there. So how do you compare us to others? It's a difficult question to answer. Um, I think in terms of uh, the revenue that we'll generate from the 100 meg farm, that that is a in fact we were having a chat the other day with um advisors on debt and their view is you know you get those offtake agreements it generates a return it's a it's a, a good return um for particular style of investors but people want to see blue sky and for us that's the growth in the hydrogen and and as we've seen in the renewable space um the technology is moving very quickly particularly in the hydrogen side Um, And notwithstanding, you know, what's happening in Europe, um, while there may be a a backtrack into um, more fossil intensive energy um, production because of what's happened over there, um, there's still going to be a push to ensure that long term we're we're replacing some of the uh, hydrocarbons with hydrogen. um, And and that'll that'll actually uh, help the technology to uh, in terms of both producing hydrogen economically and, and transport. So we're kind of riding the coattails of a boom, if you like, which is what I do mm-hmm. with BCR, and oddly enough, um, and, and also a technology boom. So I think, um, you know, it's an interesting space to be in. Uh, it's a funny thing. I think you alluded to it in the introduction. I've actually been in clean energy almost my whole life. My first summer job in university was in a uranium mine. I spent two years in northern Saskatchewan doing uranium exploration, and then I was running a uranium company, right, because uranium is, you know, the ultimate clean energy. Um, it's not something you're going to see quick soon in, in Australia. Um, and so, you know, solar, wind, they provide clean energy as well. Mm. Which uh, gets back to that comment you made about uh, this one being doable. Uranium, of course, uh, the ult- as you say, the ultimate clean energy, but not particularly doable in Australia anyway. No, it's not. And um, it, it's, uh, it saddens me that that's the case because, you know, when you look at the projections for electricity demand, it's not a case of one or the other. It's a case of both. Um, you know, electricity demand by 2050, I think, is is scheduled to double. So what you're doing is you're saying we want to we want to remove current dirty electricity production and we want to double that. So you know, when you talk about nuclear and you talk about solar and you talk about wind and you talk about hydrogen, you know, if we want to achieve these targets, which are ambitious. Um, you know, everything needs to be considered. And you're seeing that around the world. Since COP26, you're seeing a real shift in um, people's attitudes towards uh, small modular reactors. Um, but, you know, the thing about solar is is the tech. The thing is this this project, this, this first stage 100 meg farm, it's low risk technically. You're not digging up a deposit that you've drilled. A lot of the risks that you have in say, mining projects just aren't there. You know, you know how much power the solar panels go out. Uh, put out, you know um, how many you're going to put in, 
um, you know, the, the solar radiation is, is uh, fairly predictable. It'll vary during the year, of course, winter to summer. Um, but, you know, those, those, those are low risk factors. Um, and constructing a solar farm, you know, it's, it's been done thousands of times before. So, you know, that part of it is, is low risk. Uh, WA's target there of uh, the government, that is, of um, you know, matching LNG by 2030, I think, depending on what LNG price you use at the moment, but say $16 billion export industry. So the, the government's obviously, uh, well, wants to see some action there. So just gauging from a distance, um, you've touched on it a bit earlier, but uh, red tape, green tape, are they removing those sort of obstacles to uh, get the industry going? There, uh, well, it's really interesting. That's good. It's a great question because I've just come from, you know, getting a uranium project permitted um, where the state government is opposed to uranium mining. Now, <laughs> to be fair, um, they were, they, uh, the, the approvals process went through. You know, Vimy did announce that they've got substantial commencement. Um, but, but, you know, there were no friends um, in government, whereas with this, the, it's a, a much, um, friendlier environment, um, and, and that makes sense. You know, it's one policy versus another. I get that. Um, you know, we'll still go through the approvals process, but the one thing is we have development application from the Shire and the rest of the approvals to build the thing are simple um, building approvals. Mm. So we don't we don't have a lot of the, uh, let's, let's call it uh, red tape overhead that you would have with a mining project, um, particularly in terms of environmental heritage, um, you know, all the permits you need to dig a hole and, and, and store tailings and all that. So the approvals process is much easier and much simpler. But yes, the, the reception that we've received from the government's been, um, it's been excellent. Um, you know, we've deliberately, uh, d- we've deliberately designed our strategy to dovetail in with the WA hydrogen strategy. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that's quite deliberate. And the location of the farm, while I wasn't part of the selection process for that, um, it actually is in a really great location where it is on the grid. So there's lots of capacity on, on the part of the grid we're on. And we've got those major customers up and down the Darling, Darling Scarp, which require deep carbonization. So, you know, a lot of stars aligned for this one. Yeah, okay. Now, I noticed that you, uh, <clears throat> as part of the, uh, the renaming, redirection of the company, $8 million capital raising. So that is uh, going to keep you going for a while. Yes, should do. Um, right now we're in the study phase. Um, so we're doing a lot of work that's all been, it was all outlined in the prospectus. We're sort of on budget on time for all of that. Um, so right now, yeah, we're, we're pretty good for cash. Um, you know, the next phase of development and, and growth will require funding, obviously. Uh, but as I said, when, when you've got the certainty of uh, power purchase agreements with um, low counterparty risk offtake partners, um, and it's something we're going to be very strategic about. I mean, as someone in government said, you're not going to have a problem selling your power. Um, we want to be really strategic about who we team up with. Um, and I can assure you there's a lot of people, um, a lot of inbound interest in the project and what we're doing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, look, I, I couldn't be happier. I'm, uh, I'm really pleased. And, and look, one of the best things is it's a 90-minute drive from Perth. Yeah, um, yeah. So you can, you know, take people down, investors, the government. Um, we've already had tours with some local government officials. Uh, and it's really interesting how people get it. When you stand there and you look at it and you just see the veil drop from their eyes and they just go, yeah, now I get this. And um, as as you highlighted, I really like the fact it's doable. 
it's remarkable the uh, change in attitude. Um, I haven't spoken to anyone down south there recently, but uh, every other mining company I've uh, been speaking to, uh, whether it's an advanced exploration project or a current mine in WA and elsewhere in the country for that matter, that inevitably they now discuss, well, what are you doing on the renewable energy front? So because it's part of the ESG, we know ESG is uh, front and centre for investors nowadays. That, that's exactly right. And the companies that are, are successful, a lot of the successful mining companies, I'm thinking particularly of Oz Minerals, you know, they were on this very early when, when we were doing the work on um, Nebo Babel. I was surprised at the uh, vigor with which they approached renewable energy for that project, but it just turned out that they were um, a front runner and a lot of the other companies are doing the same. And uh, the advantage we have is that we're in an area where um, those large companies are going to have to decarbonize and, and we're we're right yeah. there with the electrons. Uh, just on uh, Nebo Babel, um, they're a few months away, I think, from uh, committing to a $1.3, $1.4 billion development. So what did you guys pay for it back in the casino days? 20 mil, was it? 250,000. <laughs> yeah, it had a 1% royalty and it had a $10 million uh, payment after one year after first production, but we paid 250,000 cash for it. Oh. It was an unloved asset and, you know, that's that's sort of my forte. So, But this one, everyone loves it. All right. Uh, interesting discussion there. So if you could just bring it to, all together now for uh, investors and give them a feel for Perhaps some of the uh, milestones they should be looking forward to in uh, the next 12 months or so. Yes, the elevator pitch. So really, as I said, you know, it is about that first stage, um, the Bristol Springs Solar Farm. So, you know, we're looking at looking at financing, long lead items, power purchase agreements. Uh, it's about the study. So the next six months we'll be delivering outcomes on that study. Um, and on a larger scale, it's about... Uh, MOUs, agreements with prospective partners for development, and that includes, you know, off-takers, service providers, and things like that. So it's a lot of, a lot of news flow coming. I'm, I'm very busy. I'm looking forward to week off next week. I'm doing the, the uh, Hawaiian Ride for Youth, uh, which is a fundraising charity here in WA. So, mm, um, but I'll, I'll be thinking about this on the bike the whole way because I'll be going through the country where we can build more solar farms. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Okay, well. <laughs> well, Mike, fascinating stuff, as I said uh, at the opening, one for the ages. So good luck with it all and we'll be watching with interest. Thanks very much. It's always great.